What an exciting couple of days in Montreal. Of course, Kent Hughes made a splash on Thursday night, selecting Uri Slavkowski with the number one pick, trading Alexander Romanov to the New York Islanders, acquiring center Kirby Dock from the Chicago Blackhawks, drafting a Slovak right winger with their second pick. And of course, there was a very busy day on Friday. I recap it all with former Montreal Canadian scout, Many of you have an apology to offer this guy. That's why I'm bringing him on. Quite frankly, after the abuse that he's taken for the last three or four months, especially on social media, I think he deserves a pat on the back and maybe even a little publicity. Why not? We'll give it to him right here on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero. Usually, when I get talk, I get paid. That's right. Graham McCat is coming up of Recruits.ca. When he sells publications, he gets paid too. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero, the sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer, intense by nature, and Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. All right, and welcome. It is the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinaro. We'll recap the Habs draft. And usually on weekends, I usually go with a brunch in with Marinaro. It's usually on Sunday mornings. Sometimes it's on Saturdays, uh, but the programming is a little bit different this weekend, of course, because the Canadians had their draft on Thursday and on Friday, and we felt we had to recap it. So here we are on Saturday night, just past five o'clock, brought to you by 8.6 Beer, intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark, and brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage, was a couple of days ago for the sick podcast draft party. Well, I'm sure you absolutely loved it and you'll be going back to Lacash pretty soon, huh? And the menu will no longer surprise you. If you checked it out on Thursday, the menu is absolutely fantastic. I love Lacash. All right. Okay. So let's go. And I love Yuri Slavkowski. And I know that Grant McCag of recruits.ca does as well. Grant joined us just over a week ago, and he told us that his number one pick was Yuri Slavkowski, and he gave us a bunch of reasons why. Well, he can pat himself on the back. He's not the only one who loved him. Clearly, the Montreal Canadiens did too. We bring Grant back. Grant, what's going on? Hey, all pretty happy, Tony. So now you and I have talked several times. We had a chance to meet for the first time in person on Thursday, and let's be honest. I'm better looking in public, eh? Oh, Tony. And in person? There's no match. Thank you. What do you think of my eyes? Mesmerizing. And the curly hair? All right, okay, enough of that. Uh, Listen, it's you that deserves the props, Grant, for uh, just right after the Winter Olympics when Uri Slavkowski stepped up and scored seven goals in seven games and was the uh, tournament MVP. You've been telling us ever since that moment that he's your number one guy for the 2022 NHL amateur draft. You took a lot of heat on social media because a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans, a lot of them really wanted Shane Wright to be the guy. And they didn't like what you were selling because they they wanted to silence you because if you would say that, A, they thought you were hurting the kid, and B, they thought you could probably influence some people. I don't know. If you influence some people, but um, he was the number one pick, Grant. Well, I wanted to influence Habs fans and, and and let them know that, you know, there was there were other dogs in the race. Um, I certainly don't think I influenced any NHL teams. I mean, you know, I don't think they listened to me. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I really, I mean, you know, some people maybe understandably think I went overboard on on uh, being negative about right, and it, it just sort of built. You know, I'd say something, then people would uh, you know respond negatively. I would say something else, and uh, it 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 did get uh, you know 
it did get a little negative and that's the unfortunate part about about it is when you're when you're doing a draft list there's a guy that's kind of thought to be the first overall like I, I went through the exact same thing with nolan patrick i remember in in his draft year i uh in november i saw he should play a couple of games one weekend and he blew me away and Patrick wasn't blowing me away. And I put his share first overall before anyone else did publicly. And uh, it was very similar heat, but this time because I'm more connected with the Canadians and uh, a lot of my followers are, are has fans. It was like 10 times. So it, yeah, it was, it was a little tough to take, but I just stopped reading my comments basically. Grant, the alarm bells went off for you in terms of you were no longer sold. When exactly uh, on Shane Wright? And, and what were those things that for you, you just couldn't get out of your head and you said, I'm concerned about what I'm seeing? Well, it was every live view that I had in Ottawa. I don't know if, you know, Ottawa wasn't a great team, but for whatever reasons, I think maybe a few of the games were on Sundays. And it was the second or third game that he'd played that weekend. Perhaps that had something to do with it. And his legs were a little rubbery, but he, uh, he was not coming back uh, on the back check at all. Like I had never seen a, a, a prospect in his draft year that, that just, you know, never came back hard on the back check. And I know that's, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's old school. He was, he was just uh, laying in the bushes and, you know, waiting for his offensive opportunities. But when the other team has a puck and they're going down the ice, Tony, you know, did you see any centers that were sitting back at the blue line and not coming back? I mean, that's their job to get back in the slot, to cover, you know, to cover passes that are coming in, to get back on the back check. And he wasn't doing it. Uh, so I, I made note of it. Uh, other scouts saw the same thing and, uh, we were really concerned about about his lack of effort away from the puck and you know obviously you're not going to say this but what a lot of people don't know and you know maybe they'll find out now is that when you're watching games you know you're a former scout you're still connected with a lot of people in the game you're watching games with scouts you're not alone in your corner you're watching games with scouts uh you're 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 sharing opinions with each other and it's possible we don't have to go there but it's possible that there was one or two occasions where you probably maybe even watched a game when a montreal canadian scout was in the building oh yeah sure yeah you know uh i mean trevor was still with the team uh you know for the start of the year and we watched a couple of games together and trevor wasn't liking what he was seeing from from uh from right either you know at one point he said to me uh you know i uh when he went to a game after you know after he got let go and he was still going to some games he said i wouldn't want to be making the first pick overall this year <laughs> you know which was kind of uh i like it was kind of funny because they ended up the canadians ended up having the first pick and of course it was the first draft in 19 years that Trevor wasn't running. What did you think of when the Canadians talked about Slavkovsky? They talked about he was confident in a good and humble way, right? Did you, did you, did you hear that remark? It was something, it was something like that, right? That they, he had like a, a good confidence to him. It was kind of like a humble confidence. And, and, you know, the reason why I say that is because Talking with someone earlier today, they were sharing a story with me that they were talking with um, with an agent a couple of days ago, and, and they were saying that maybe Shane wasn't counseled as well as he should have been because his comment of, you know, he wanted to be the number one pick and he deserved to be the number one pick. Personally, I don't have a problem with it, okay? I think I, I like that. You know, I want to be the number one pick. I deserve to be the number one pick. I'm the number one player. I kind of like that, to tell you the truth. I mean, I kind of talk like that, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't like that. You know, that's kind of me, to tell you the truth. But, um, you know, when Slavkowski was asked about, you know, if he felt he deserved to be the number one pick, he said he didn't care. All he wanted was that when his career was over, he ended up being the best player from that draft class. 
And, you know, uh, a lot of people have said that they kind of like that answer more than the answer that Shane Wright gave. Well, when I saw that tweet, I, I quoted and said, you know, that's a better answer than I deserve to be number one. Uh, even though I'm like, I'm like you, Tony, I didn't, you know, that comment didn't bother me that much because he's been probably asked that question a hundred times. And one time he didn't answer it the way everyone wanted him to. I, you know, I, I, I tend to give him a bit of a break on that one, you know, because, yeah. uh, um, he, you know, I, I mean, he's asked that he must've been asked the same question a hundred times, you know, yeah. throughout the year. And uh, and to to take that one comment and to you know magnify it to the to the extremes that people did, I mean uh, you got to take it in context. Yeah. And uh, you know he uh, he's a good kid. Like I don't have anything bad. I haven't said anything bad about his character all year. He yeah, of course, well. you're a kid. yeah. You know um, I'm not gonna say anything because I don't know anything negative about his character. So. Yeah, I, I met him on Wednesday at the Montreal Science Center, both Wright and Slavkovsky. I got to tell you, I, I immediately was drawn to both kids. I, yeah. I think they're, they're, they're both great kids. They're both different. They have different characters. They have different personalities. The one thing that I noticed, and I'll share this, is that, you know, once again, Shane Wright has been told that he's the best 2004 hockey player in the world, probably for at least four years, right? Maybe even five, who knows, right? And so he's been counseled, obviously, and he's been trained and he's been taught how to deal with the media, how to talk, how to speak, what to say, when to say it, how to say it. And Slavkovsky was never ranked the number one guy until, you know, you came out with it in your publication and Bob McKenzie came out with it in his publication type of thing, right? Yeah. So one's been touted as the number one guy for like five years and the other one's been touted as the number one guy for one month. And, <laughs> um, and I thought in talking to both of them is that Wright's answers sounded kind of like rehearsed, like he was counseled, like he was taught, like somebody told him what to say. And Slavkovsky came around as someone who probably didn't need to be counseled because he was probably nowhere near going first overall a year ago in that it just, it seems so much more fluid and so much more natural. Did you get yeah. that impression too? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly. And like when you were saying about, you know, that uh, being rehearsed or whatever, I think after he said that comment, uh, Wright said that comment that, you know, some scouts didn't like it. I mean, I had a scout send me a meme of it, you know, with the I deserve and saying, what is this? You know, so there were scouts that were turned off by that comment. I won't deny it. But I think he got some counseling after that, you know, yeah. and, and being coached what to say, you know, don't say that again. You know, yeah. this is what you say. Right. Well, like I, and, but like I said, I, I, I really liked the kid. I really liked Shane Wright. I really liked Slavkowski too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I spent some good time with them on Wednesday morning. I really did. And, you know, if I ever talked to Wright or I would talk to his people or his handlers, I would tell him at one point he was talking so fast that he kind of got, he, 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 he stuttered a bit because he was, uh, he just, you know, he jammed up a little bit sure. and, and I, I would just kind of like, when I started off in the business, I tried to talk real fast and I tried to sound like other people before me. And, and um, I quickly realized, or at one point I realized this is not me. And I just changed and I became myself. And somebody told me just be relax and just be yourself. And when I did, I was better. And I think with time, he's going to become more himself and he's going to be really good. As a matter of fact, although it was hard to see him slip in the draft, and I said this before the other day, I'm really happy for the kid because I think Seattle's a great spot for him. You know for what? Sure. They're going to eat all the time in the world to develop. Uh, he'll play with Matty Berniers. There, there'll be a, a one-two um, combination at center probably for 10-plus years. He'll play under the guidance of Ron Francis, who, by the way, in the times that I've seen right play, He's reminded me a lot of Ron Francis, all right? And and, and just, I, I don't know. 
I, it's a great fan base. They got great owners. I mean, Arizona is a tougher spot, you know, like it's Seattle, I think is going to be great for him. But anyway, it's uh, no, I, I, if you don't mind me commenting on well, of that, course. I, I agree 100%, Tony. Um, and, you know, as it ends up, like he would have been, there would have been pressure on him as a number one pick to be better than Suzuki, right? Who was number 12. Well, this way now, he goes to Seattle, an expansion team. They won't be, you know, they won't be expected to win for at least a couple of years to start to win. So there'll be no pressure that way. But also, Veneers is a number two pick, right? And he's a number four pick. So there won't be that pressure even in Seattle for him to be better than Veneers. That's a great point. All he's got to be is the second best center on that team. And, I mean, I think the, the pressure is lifted off his shoulders immensely. Now, what's the pressure going to be like for Uri Slavkowski? Is he going to have to be the best winger on the team? Or because he went first overall, do you think there's going to be a pressure and an expectation that he has to be the best player on the team? Well, already got a pretty good winger in, in Caulfield. So, you know, there's a good chance that Cole ends up still scoring more goals than he does maybe, but he'll be getting lots of assists at, uh, setting them up, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, there's going to be some pressure on him, but you heard his comments there. He wants to be the best player from this draft class. And if he ends up being the best player from this draft class, he's probably going to end up being the best player in the Canadians down the road. So, uh, let's hope he can fulfill the, you know, I, I think at very least he's going, he's going to be very effective and very good. And I think Canadians fans will be okay with that because, uh, he's, he's, he fills a need in that top six yeah. as a power forward that we've really needed yeah. for a long time. Like that's ready was size was big, but he didn't use a size. You know? No. No, um, we're going to move on. Uh, but before we do, I really want to touch on this because you've been all over Slavkowski versus Wright for the last three or four months. And I thought you deserved this opportunity. But before we do, Kent, you said your Slavkowski will play in North America. Mm. Where in North America? Laval or the Montreal Canadiens? For the upcoming well, season? Yeah, well, tournament at MVP at the Olympics and, uh, you know, top 11 scorer at the at the world championships tells me that he'll be playing it. He'll be playing against the men in the NHL. All right. A development camp, by the way, opens up uh, tomorrow at uh, complex sports. If Place bell in Brossard and uh, a lot of the Montreal Canadians, young players, of course, are going to be there. Uh, there are a couple that are injured, right? Which you pointed out on Twitter, Grant. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Gooley's injured. Uh, as someone pointed out, and I was thinking the same thing, it could be, a, you know, he's going to be off at the World Junior Camp pretty soon. And it might just be a question of, you know, we, we don't need to see what you can do here, kid. We'll, uh, we'll let you rest up. But, yeah, I, I don't know why they aren't playing, but uh, the presumption is that it's injury. Well, for Logan Mayu it is, right? You would think? I guess maybe a shoulder. You'd think it would yeah. be healed by now. It's been eight months or something, or six at least, so maybe. All right, we'll find out more over the next couple of days, but once again, at Complex Sports if Bell in Brassard over the next couple of days. All right, okay, let's take a look at the Montreal Canadiens' picks in the draft. Mm -hmm. There you have it. Uri Slavkowski was pick number one. Pick 26, Philip Messar. Pick 33, Owen Beck. Pick 62, Lane Hudson. Pick 75, Vincent Rohrer. Pick 92, Adam Engstrom. Pick 127, Cedric Um Pick 130, Jared Davidson. Pick 162, Emmett Croto. Pick 194, Pateri Nurmi. And pick 216, Miguel Turini. I hope I pronounced them all correctly. You know them better than I do. And this is why you're here today on the SICK Podcast. We're going live on Facebook, live on Twitter, and live on YouTube. By the way, if you love the podcast... Just comment sick. It's our way of feeling the love. Let's bring the chart back up, please. As we talk about these players, I don't want the chart to go away. Philip Messar. I'm going to ask you for a scouting report on every player. Let's go with Messar. Yeah, I uh, I had them picking uh, Messar in the mock draft at 
at 26 actually and and Slavkowski at one so I I lucked out on that one uh <laughs> I just had a feeling that they you know they picked the two uh the two uh Slovaks um Mezar's a really skilled kid he's got um he's got great edges he's just a fabulous skater and um I think that he was underrated it mostly because he's not that big I think he's 5'10 184 his size is fine at like as far as he's got a good build he's a strong kid so and he's played against men all year or most of the year so he and played well so I think uh I think he's already proven that that he can handle you know the bigger men he's got the skill he's very smart uh very good puck skills and he's definitely got second line potential he's a right winger now on to Owen Beck with the 33rd pick what can you tell us I love the kid I uh I asked a, a scouting friend of mine who uh who gets to see the Ontario League quite a bit he probably he probably watched him uh you know 10 12 times I asked him where where he had him ranked and he said top 20. um so you know that's that's obviously where the Canadians had him ranked too to pick him at 33 usually you know it'd be early 20s at the latest that they'd have him ranked too so um I had him 26. I I think he's the best defensive center in, in this draft class. Um, one of the top five skaters, really smart. He's got a great shot too, and I think uh, he ended up not getting uh, top billing offensively. They gave it to Del Bell Belus, but uh, a lot of scouts and, and and me included think that he may actually have have better offensive skills at the next level than. Uh, Del Bell Blues that he has a better chance and that's why he went higher yeah. um I I really love the kid I think as one uh, NHL scout said to me he's a third he's a third line center all day and you hope that he can become a second line center now with them picking up Kirby Doc <laughs> to go with Suzuki you know the odds that he's going to be better than both aren't great but uh or either of them but I mean uh if he is then that means he turned into a heck of a player yeah, thanks for giving us their position as well. Pick 62, Lane Hudson. Yeah, well, that's a favorite for a lot of a lot of Habs fans. I, I knew, you know, there were a lot of people that were hoping that he'd maybe go with the 33rd pick. So they were elated when, uh, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people thought he might go top 30. But uh, it wasn't NHL scouts that I knew. They, I mean, 5'8 defensemen, you can't name one in the NHL, right? So yeah. it, you have to be pretty darn dynamic to make it. I mean, it's a long shot for him, but there's a need there. Uh, he could be a, he's certainly going to be a, an AHL power play quarterback. And if you can put on the requisite muscle, uh, learn to defend a little more physically, um, you never know. Maybe down the road, uh, he ends up being, a, you know, on the Canadians power play. You kind of shelter him a bit on the third pairing, maybe but use them in power play in offensive situations that the kid's smart and got great, just one of the smartest players in the draft, great instincts. He's like a five, eight version of Adam Fox almost, but maybe a little better skater. Yeah. I, I read somewhere. I think that at one point he may have had a bone disease, which has impeded his, his size. Uh, but that seems to be, you know, uh, taken care of and there's still some hope that he can still grow a little bit. Yeah, I don't, you know, kids that are 17, 18, uh, I know I didn't grow. <laughs> did you grow at that age? Yeah, no, I didn't either. No, no I, I mean, either. you're done, you know, you're done growing, especially us shorter guys, you know. Yeah. You're 5'8 five, you're five, or 5'9 five, when you're 17, 18, you know, you're not 6 feet when you're 20. The 75th pick. Talk to us about Vincennes Rohrer. Yeah, I got to see him a lot uh, playing in Ottawa. So, I mean, they were basically my home team. So, uh, he's uh, he actually went head to head against Wright just about in all of their meetings. He was he came in as a rookie from Austria, and it was the first line center on the sixty sevens. Um, he's uh, very smart, very smart, very competitive. Skill level's not bad, but I. You know, I think he can get a little faster and a little bigger. 
he doesn't turn 18 until September. So those are always interesting picks because, you know, if he was a week uh, a week away and he he's not eligible till next year's draft. So yeah, uh, there could be a growth spurt there yet. And uh, you know, if he gets faster, certainly with his uh, with his smarts and with his competitiveness, that's a nice package. A shout out! Uh, a shout out to MatrixHomeFitness.ca, and uh, of course. Um Bring it home, discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca. I know Agnello brought home the elliptical. I brought home the treadmill, and I also got the rower as well. Absolutely loving it. So is the missus. All right, pick 92, Adam Engstrom. Yeah, I, I have a few scouting friends that liked Adam quite a bit. He uh, he he was at a, a couple of events there that they saw, and, and he caught their eye. And he and he played really well in the in the um, Swedish Junior League, a, a big defenseman with uh, with good skating skills. I mean, the Canadians are loaded at defense, so you know, if if he does make them at, at some point, it will be a few years away. That's for sure, because the Canadians just, I mean, on their depth chart on defense right now, he'd probably be about uh, twenty. You know, it, yeah. uh, but I mean, hey, you got to pick someone and. And these are all assets, right? If he yeah. develops as they hope, whether he, you know, even if he's not good enough for the Canadians lineup, there'll be a team out there that wants him. That's for sure. So now, look, I know that uh, you know in the history of the National Hockey League, players that have gone in the fifth round and the sixth round, some of them have been absolute gems. So I don't want to discredit Gendon or Davidson or Crotor or Nurmi or even Touring who was drafted with the 216th pick. But out of all these names, I mean, is there one of them that you think can surprise along the way? Yeah, I I made a uh, top thirty under twenty three list on the you know Canadians uh, players that are prospects or players in in the NHL, and uh, I mean you know the guys from uh, pick one twenty seven on aren't on the list, right? Like they're outside the top thirty as far as under twenty three players. So I mean it, it'll be tough for them for sure, but that's a pleasant problem for the Canadians to have. They have you know. They haven't had that problem for 30 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I I love uh, Jared Davidson. I watched Seattle a lot because they had two kids that I ended up ranking in the top 40. One of them went top eight, was uh, top 10 anyway, was Karczynski. So I watched a lot of, I think I watched Seattle more than any WHL team because I really liked Karczynski and Schaefer. And this kid just kept, catching my eye he uh i mean this he's a 2002 so you know he's supposed to be one of the better players but he may have been the top player in the whl this year just uh always around the puck really smart put up great points both regular season and and in the playoffs so um he's my real dark horse and uh i think uh you know he's gonna help out um laval very soon and I think he could be a really – Laval's going to be a powerhouse, I think, over the next few years. Well, listen, you must think so because, like you just said, you put together a top 30 list of Montreal Canadiens players, prospects under the age of 23. Let's bring up that chart. We're going to get to some of your questions pretty soon. Slavkowski, Suzuki, Doc, Caulfield, Gouli, Mezar, Mayu, Beck, Baron, Yelonen, Kapanen, Roy, Hudson, Primo, Harris, Trudeau. Jackeye, Heineman, Kidney, Farrell, Tuck, Fairbrother, Raphael, RV Pidard, Norlinder, Biondi, Smilanic, Misak, Dobish, Nico, Rohrer, Engstrom, and Pitlick. There's yeah. your list. <laughs> that is impressive, you know. There's kids after 20 that I think uh, on that list that have NHL potential all day. So, I mean, maybe I'm a bit, you know, you're the, the prospects that you follow the most, maybe you're a little biased about, but yeah, that's that's the best list. Uh, uh that's the deepest crop of Canadians' prospects since uh the 80s, probably. So, I ran into a gentleman earlier today and he said, Tony, I coached for a long time, I scouted for a long time, I'm a big fan of the Chicago Blackhawks. Kirby Doc is not a good player he told me he is not a good face-off guy he doesn't have very good work ethic 
He's not the greatest skater. He said, Tony, this trade will not work out. He's not very good. And I looked at him and I said, let me ask you a question. He said, what? I said, in my line of work, do you think I'm good? He looked at me and he said, oh, I think you're great. I said, thank you. In my first three years, I wasn't very good. He said, there's a difference. You were a hard worker. Kirby Doc doesn't work hard on the ice. You, you were concerned about Shane Wright's work ethic when he didn't have the puck, his lack of engagement, um, not getting back. This gentleman said to me, if you're like this when you're 21, you usually don't change at 22. He's very concerned about Kirby Doc. Are you? Yeah, well, that's not my scouting report. Uh, he's a very good skater. To, to that right, you know, I'm sorry, but if he thinks that Kirby Doc is at 6'4", and the, and the fluidity that he skates with and the power isn't a good skater, then, like, I don't know how much credibility he has to, you know, just, just to be honest with you, Tony, as far as that goes. What do, you, what do you think of the lack of production for a guy who played with Kane and the Brinkett and played for a team that you would think on the top two lines? I mean, the guys were given some liberty. I mean, those are not big numbers. No, he didn't put up good numbers this year, that's for sure. At 20 years of age for the majority of the year. I mean, KK was the same way, and I'm not, I still don't think, you know, we'll see with KK, but I still think that there, there's untapped offensive potential there. I know what it's like. These kids, uh, 2021, asked to play a top two center role in the NHL. There aren't many that can do it. You know, it, it's rare. So uh, he got thrown into the fire, uh, and um, he. I think he was still recovering from that wrist injury, and he was never 100% last year. One of the reasons why he wasn't that good on faceoffs. But he's a very good skater, and very good puck skills. Andre Tourney, like if you ever get Andre on and ask him about him sometime, he loved uh, Kirby Doc when he had him at the under 18. Said, wherever you want, want to play me, coach, wing, center, doesn't matter, I'll play. And he said he just loved his attitude. And he was the captain at, before he got injured at the Team Canada at the uh, at the World under under 20s there at the World Juniors. So, you know. Hockey Canada didn't have any issues with his character. I don't have any issues with his character. I think uh, I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year and uh, surprise a lot of people. All right. Why don't we do this? Let's get to the questions. I think you just uh, you made it some people breathe a little bit easier now. Why don't we take get some questions? All right. Tony Lafreda. Uh, I love Tony. Tony's a gentleman. Tony, many believe that the Habs had a great draft. The Athletic graded them at A-plus tops, but the French media is all over them for ignoring the Quebec Junior Major Junior Hockey. <coughs> Any thoughts, Grant? I'd like to comment on that, but why don't you go first? <laughs> well, I think it's kind of, you know, I mean, same old, same old, right, Tony? New, uh, new uh, chief scout who happens to be Martin Lapointe, Lapointe, you know, where do you think he's from? Bill St. Pierre. Uh, well, I mean, Trevor Timmons got, got hecked for uh, not picking guys from the queue. They get a guy who's from the queue, you know, Quebecois, picking uh, new management. And what do they do? Well, you don't pick guys just for the sake of picking guys. You pick, they're doing the exact same thing that Trevor and his staff did in Bergevin. They picked who they thought were the best players when it was their time to pick in the draft. You right. can't go by, you can't go by locality and language and uh, you, you just can't grant for me it's very easy all right if the canadians miss out on a player from the queue from the queue or a quebec born player from the queue if they miss out it's their mistake right they missed out it's their mistake but anyone who intentionally thinks that the canadians are going to close their eyes to players in the queue especially if they think the player is good and the player can help them you have to be an idiot to think that way, right? Now, having said that, look, I do think there are players the Canadians missed out on from the queue in previous years that they, you know, if they, you know, if they could have a do-over, they probably would. 
But sometimes it just doesn't work out. If you're picking 33 and then you end up trading your next pick or 31, you end up trading. And you know what? All of a sudden, 20 or 30 picks later and somebody gets, you'd have to make a trade to move up six, seven, eight spots. And sometimes to make a trade to move up to a couple of spots, what you have to do is you have to end up trading two picks to end up getting one just a couple of spots better. It doesn't always work out, Grant. Oh, Bears man never traded up anyway. You know whether it was for a Quebec player or anybody else. And I mean, they've missed out on players from every league. You know, not just the Quebec league. Uh, you can't look at it that way. You know, you just can't. There. I mean, I know Trevor quite well, and I know that he had no bias, and he wished that there were better Quebec players. It's the same thing this year. Like, how many went in the top sixty? There weren't many. Well, I think know? what caught people's attention is that Anaheim grabbed. Pardon me. Was it three of them that they grabbed? And Martin Madden Jr. has a reputation, uh, I think, of doing pretty good at the draft. I mean, I think he's drafted some players. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's pretty good at what he does. So I think a lot of people saw Anaheim draft a couple and say, well, if they went to get them, why didn't the Canadians? Well, I mean, if Gaucher would have been there at 26, the Canadians may have taken him. If, uh, you know, Lamaru and... Uh, and um, Luno had been there, you know, at, I don't know, 50 or where did they pick 62? They'd have taken, you know, they'd have taken either. I mean, I don't, I didn't have either of those guys ranked ahead of Beck. So you don't take them. You take Beck because he's the guy that's highest on your list. Simple. Yeah. By the way, if my kids ever get drafted in whatever sport they ever make it pro, um, if my wife wants to kiss me the way the, uh, the Lamaroos kissed, I mean, that was, did you see that? It was on social media. Did you see that? I, I, you know, I missed the kiss. Oh, you and, missed uh, it? Jesus. Yeah. Man, that was really something. I, for I, them. I heard all about it and that, uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, they have a 17 year old and good. You know, they're still very affectionate with each other. I think it's a beautiful thing. Lam- I have a 17 year old affection in my house as if my wife says good morning or good night. Yeah. Lamaru. I, I, I have to think it had something to do with the name, maybe. Uh, it's a very romantic name. There's no doubt about it. Anyway, all kidding aside, what a beautiful moment for Maverick Lamaru and his family. They were just so excited. Once again, it's a dream come true. We talk about it, but I think the greatest thing of the draft, if for me it's the greatest thing every year, is the reaction from the kids and the families. The reaction from Slavkowski when he went number one, he was surprised. The reaction from his mother, who was just elated, and it was his pair. I, I just, I thought the draft was amazing. And by the way, a lot of people felt the draft was amazing in Montreal, and they're talking about having the draft in Montreal um, more frequently and more often, which would be nice, mind you. Next year is Nashville, Tennessee, by the way, and I've never been there before, and I hear it's beautiful, so it would give me a reason. Let's get to more questions. The first one, by the way, the first one was not only from Tony Lofreda, from Senator Tony Lofreda. Alexander Moy says, if it wasn't for the trade with Doc, who looks like a bust, worse than KK, do you still think the Habs would have picked a boom-bust winger like Uri over the safer pick like Shane Wright? Yikes. Okay, well, I, you know, I don't think that Wright's the safer pick. You know, I, and I read that that was a misconception as well, that he's some great defensive player. First of all, he's not. That's what he's got to work on. I don't know that Shane Wright's even going to be a top two center. He might go to the wing. So as far as who's the safer pick, I mean, the six four kid with the speed, with the hands, with the grit, with the competitiveness, he's, I mean, he's as safe as they come. There's not a safer pick in the draft, Tony. He already proved himself against men. So I, I have to respectfully disagree with Alex. And as far as the bust, he's been a little negative there, I think. <laughs> uh, Kirby Doc is not a bust. I mean, 21 years of age, even KK. And I know I've defended him a hundred times, but he's still young. And I mean, they signed him to an eight-year contract. Trocek's leaving. They plan on moving him up, you know. It may not be till second-line center this year, but yeah. still in a year or two is going to be uh, – going to be uh, he's going to be replacing him he's already almost got as many minutes as stall so they plan on having him as a second line center which tells me that you know i mean these guys are smarter than i am they they must think that 
they must still think that he he has a load of potential. So uh, as far as him being a bust, you know, it, it's still too early. It really is. And yeah. uh, as as far as uh, Doc being a bust, I just let the kid play and let's see. You know. Back to the questions, and you know, like once again, it's great. We all have opinions on the draft. You know, we're going to have a much better idea in four years from now, a much even better idea in seven years from now. And we'll know for sure in about 10 years from now who had the better career and stuff like that for now. You know what? Let's have confidence in Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, Vinny LeCavalier, you know, the entire, uh, you know, uh, Nick Bubrov and the entire Marty LaPointe and the staff. Let's see what happens. MJV says, can you ask Grant what's his analysis of Kirby Doc in his draft year, if he remembers? Grant, where he went as the number two, uh, he went third overall. Yeah. He was the second center to go, right? Because Jack Hughes went one. Yeah. Who's a center and Capo Caco, who's a winger, went number two. Yeah. No, I had him top five. I, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was a really good prospect. Um, that's when there were, you know, there were some concerns with his consistency, you know, in, in how competitive he was. Yeah. And I think I think he had to figure some things out. Uh, second half of the year, that really came on, and uh, you know, the size, skating, skill package on a six-four center, it. Uh, that always appeals to the to the scouts. So he was he was high on my list, like I say, top five, and and he ended up going top three. So what's interesting, Grant, is that Jeff Gordon passed up on him because he went with Capocacco at number two, correct? Yeah, yeah. So and uh, but I mean, Caco looked, <laughs> you know, he looked like a future star. There yeah. there were some that even thought he might go ahead of Hughes at some point. So yeah. I mean, and it, it's early. Uh, Kako uh, showed signs in, in the uh, playoffs that, you know, he, he's coming on. Same with Lafreniere. Both yeah. those guys are going to be really nice picks. Players. You get the feeling that it's Kent Hughes, who's a big Kirby Doc fan here, and um, that's what I would think anyway. Then again, you know what? Who's the special advisor to the general manager? Is Vinny LeCavalier. You know, if there's one guy who knows a thing or two about a six-foot-four centerman, it's a former six foot four centerman. Yeah, no, for sure. And there are a lot of similarities in their games, really. You know, and uh, Doc has loads of potential. I mean, I was surprised that Chicago gave him up. Uh, I mean, I love Romy. You know, um, special, special spot in my heart for him. But uh, I don't know that he that he has top pairing potential on a on a contender you know he's he's not going to be a big point guy uh not not a not a biggest playmaking assist guy i don't think and uh so he's ideally a second pairing punishing defenseman so i mean doc has a chance to be the top center on the canadians like he could even outproduce suzuki perhaps so well uh, according to the experts in their respective draft years Suzuki went 13th in his, and Doc mm -hmm. went third in his. Right. So you would think that most experts thought that Doc was going to be the one that was going to have the better career. Now, as we know, it doesn't always work out that way, right? No, no, of course not, you know. But, I mean, the potential's still there, and you don't, yeah. you know. At, at 21 years of age, you just, you, you still have to wait. You give it five years, and then you have a better idea, really good idea on a player, and, uh, after three years, uh, especially if they play starting at 18, you know, like three years of pro, it's still too early. Grant, why don't we do this? Let's do rapid fire. Let's try to get to as many questions as possible here. Uh, sure. Let's try and get to about 10 of them. Let's go. Ishmael Miller-Clark. Ciao, Tony. Question for you two. Do you think that Hughes was a little impatient with trading Romanov? I believe that it was Kent Hughes' first mistake. I know all GM make mistakes. What's your take, Tony? Grazie, compari. Um I like Alexander Romanov a lot, but I agree with Grant's assessment. If you're not going to be a defenseman who's a great stick handler, a great puck carrier, very dynamic, very offensive, you better be the best shutdown defenseman that you can be. If you're neither and you're just a young man who does everything good and plays with energy and hits like a truck, you're going to end up being a second-pairing defenseman. 
So at best, you'll be a number three. At worst, you'll be a number four. There's a lot of number threes and number fours that are available. It's easier to find those guys than it is to find a number two, six foot four right-handed center or a 1B or a guy that even can be a number one. So as much as I would have loved to have seen Romanov stay, I take a look at if both become the best they can be, a guy like Doc would have more value on the marketplace because if he becomes his best, he becomes a number one centerman. If Romanov becomes his best, he probably becomes a number three. That's my take. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. Yeah, if I may, Tony, just add, to add, um, like there's so many good left defensemen in the Canadian system. You know, Gouli, I think, is going to be better than Romanov. Um, you know, and there could be two or three other left defensemen that end up being as good or better. So uh, they they made the trade from a position of strength, and they have replacements uh, that could well be better. Gouli could be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gouli is better than Romanov was last year when he steps in this year. So that it's not like they're they're harming you know that position because they're loaded there. Next, uh, Christian Jandron. Hi guys, great show. My question is for Grant. If Doc was on his draft at 18 years old, uh, he'd be drafted at one number. If, track, if oh, Doc was year. on his draft, okay, I got well, it now. Okay, this year. Oh, <laughs> I hate those hypotheticals, Tony. They're really hard. You know, it's really hard to, I mean, it's, you know, um, I mean, it didn't happen, right? But I think um, what he's asking is if you take yeah. a look at Wright, you take a cool a look at Cooley, and you take a look at Kirby Doc, would Kirby Doc be ahead of anything? It would have been, a, oh, that, that would have been a big debate, you know. I think uh, probably Doc would have been number two in this draft class because of his size. You know, he could be the big uh, first-line center with the size potential. Um, He'd have probably gone to maybe one. All right, next. Nick Larivier. Hey, Grant, why was Slavkowski's points per game so much lower than most top prospects in Liga in their draft year? Did he really get that much less ice time? which is ridiculous for his skill set. Um, I was watching some clips, and Pierre Maguire said on Sportsnet that when Slavkowski, and he said he had a chance to watch him live and on tape, when he was playing in Finland with TPS Turku, that he was kind of buried on a third line. But when yeah. he played with Slovakia, they gave him top minutes, and what he loved about it is that he asked the men around him to give him the puck because he would take charge. And when he did get the puck, he did take charge. Yeah. Well, I, I do know that uh, whoever the Slovakian coach was on his, uh, or sorry, the uh, Finnish coach uh, compared to Craig Ramsey, I'll take Craig Ramsey, you know, as far as player evaluation goes, he ended up putting him on the first line, you know, uh, both the Olympics and uh, at the, uh, at the, um, worlds but uh i disagree like there's a bit of a misconception like he said most like uh first of all most draft eligible fins don't even play in liga you know let alone most of them having better stats in liga there i it's less than 10 players in history in finland that had better stats in liga in their draft years now is there more than 10 CHL players in history that had better stats in their draft years than Wright did? Yes. There's hundred. There's a hundred. So I'm not sure why that became a thing. You know, it's three guys have had noticeably better. Three guys in history have had noticeably better stats in their draft years, draft eligible fins. Three. I mean, you can go Lemieux, Crosby, you know, Lafleur, you know, was right anywhere close to those guys in his draft year with his points? Of course not. He was maybe half of that. So, I mean, you, you got to put it all in perspective. There's not – Liga is a very uh, low-scoring league. He uh, he didn't put up great stats as a 17-year-old Slovakian playing in a men's league in, in the first half of the year. That's right. But was he supposed to? 
I mean, it's happened three times in history. So I, I think a lot that's been overblown. And as you say, yeah, he didn't, he didn't play an offensive role. They didn't give him offensive minutes. He was with a couple of guys who are never going to be anywhere close to the NHL. Like he didn't play with any drafted players, you know, the NHL drafted players. Um, so, I mean, when it's all put in the perspective, after he came back from the Olympics, he scored, he played 10 regular season games. He scored four goals. Uh, two finished prospects in history averaged more than 0.4 goals per game in, in Liga. So if you go by how he played after, he was fifth on his team in playoff scoring. He was top 20 in playoff scoring. And that, that one really gets me is why, why do people always look at the regular season stats and not at the playoff stats? Shouldn't it be the opposite? I, I put way more emphasis on what a player does in the playoffs than what they did in the it's regular season. Of course. But everybody, everybody just brings up the regular season. And stats. the games are a lot tighter. That you know, there's oh. so much more on the line, of course, and and yeah. for many reasons. Every NHL scout, that's you put more emphasis on the playoffs. And right oh. in the play and right in the playoffs, yeah. He scored three goals, which is sixth best or seventh best on his team. Slavkovsky points wise was fifth best on his team in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, goals against in the playoffs. Uh, Wright was on for 25 goals against in 11 games, which is remarkably high. Like that's 2.3 goals a game. There were eight play uh, goalies that had a bet that were on the ice for less goals against. <laughs> and they played 60 minutes a game. Slavkowski in his last 38 games playing against men was on the ice for 19 goals against. 38 games. So it's just like uh, that's a goal every other game against, right? So I mean, people are only looking at at, at Slavkovsky's thirty-one games, twenty-one which came or twenty-eight which came when he was still seventeen years old, playing you know playing in the men's league, playing in a new a different country. I mean, yeah, he didn't have great stats, but I, I think there's way too much emphasis on that and not on the fact that. He was the tournament MVP of the Olympics, and awesome. and, was, and was top eleven in scoring at the Worlds against men. Uh, there's people that just want to look at NHLers. There's yeah, and, and there's people that just want to look at those thirty-one game uh, regular season games, and it just for the life of me, I can't understand why. Yeah, listen, I think they're both going to be great, and uh, that's what I wish for them. All right, one more. Let's let's just two two more. So this way, two more. All right. Uh, Sean Edwards, do you think Slavkowski will end up the best player in the long run out of Cooley and Wright? Is that for me, I guess? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, ranked first overall, so yeah, I I think he'll end up being the best player. I think he's the player that's going to help the team most at playoffs, and that's that to me is why you draft a player. It, it's the one that's going to help you win a playoff time. Last one. Hi, Tony. Question for Grant. Do you think Philip Messar would will be a top six? That's a good question. Uh, it, it depends, obviously, on other prospects, too. I thought Yelonen would be a top six, and now now I'm starting to wonder that, you know. Doesn't look as you like build, it. Sorry? Doesn't look like it. No. As you build uh, prospect up, uh, there's going to be guys uh, drafted top 40, top 50, you know, that you hoped would be uh, – top six guys that aren't going to make it because you have a have great depth. Um, but yeah, that's, that's his upside. And uh, if he doesn't make it as a top six on the Canes, it's because, because they have a, a great depth. I mean, there's beyond is a good looking prospect talk. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, a lot of these guys, uh, Farrell, I mean, that list you brought up, you know, there's a lot of, and uh, a centerman could, could move to the wing, like Kapanen could end up going on the wing. Yeah, because now, now they got back, and uh, I mean those two guys. I thought, I thought Kapanen. I mean he's going to be the first line center. I think on Finland in the in the World Juniors. You know, usually that that equates to at least a third line center in the NHL. But Beck's going to be a third line center too. Uh, well, maybe uh, maybe Kapanen ends up going on the wing, and maybe he beats out Mezar for a spot down the road. You just yeah. you can never. 
predict those things. Grant, we said it before, but we'll say it again. Once again, if you want to have a chance to see some of these young players in the Canadian system, development camp opens tomorrow, runs over the next three days, I believe. Was it Monday? Was it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? And is it Wednesday as well? I'm taking a look here. Um, uh, do you have it? Um, do you have it, Grant? Sorry, development, camp, no. development camp is the Canadians actually put it out there before. I'm going to see if I could find it here. All right. Okay. Uh, development camp is uh, all right. Um, starts on Sunday. All right. The on ice sessions will start Monday. So from July 10th to July 13. Monday, the on-ice session starts on Monday, July 11 at 12.15 p.m. So Monday, July 11 at 12.15 p.m. And then on Tuesday, July 12th and on Wednesday, July 13th. You can go check it out. It is actually um, Tuesday is going to be at noon and Wednesday at 11.30. All right. So. Tomorrow, off-ice workouts. Monday, on ice, both groups, 12.15 p.m. Tuesday, on ice, both groups, 12 p.m. Wednesday, both groups, on ice, 11.30 a.m. And the good news, Grant, the sessions are open to the public. So if you want to go check it out, you can do it. Once again, if you love the SICK podcast, not like it, but love it, actually, comment with the word SICK. And then we'll know how much you really love us. We'll feel the love. Grant McCagg, um, I said at the start of the show that uh, you've been on the opposite. <laughs> you've uh, been on the receiving end of, uh, of uh, uh, quite a bit of um, hate, I would say, on social media, especially Twitter. Uh, a lot of people weren't buying what you were selling and uh, didn't want to accept you saying Slavkowski was the number one pick in the draft class, and now he is. And I know a lot of people have uh, already apologized to you, but I thought you deserve the benefit of the doubt to be one of the first guys to comment on it. So here you are. You sell your draft guide every year. That's how you make your living at recruits.ca. You put in a lot of work, and, uh, you know, I, I think the past couple of days was a very, very big couple of days for you and, uh, and recruits. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I was having second thoughts, even keeping doing this, uh, you know, keeping going with this actually, but uh, yeah, it, it feels a bit like retribution and, and a lot, and people have been very nice, you know, a lot of people that have, have apologized and, you know, ton of people actually. And um, I mean, you know, I understand to a certain degree, the passion and everything or, and, and you get told for three years that this is the guy, right. And I mean, I understand all that, but, uh, you know, certainly I never make a draft list with any personal, you know, vendettas or anything. Uh, I mean, I just try to get the word out there who I think's going first. And, you know, I mean, I, I know I was, I was hard on, on right. And, um, I thought people needed to be informed, you know, cause it just seemed like I didn't want to go through, I don't want a, a prospect to go through what KK went through. Uh, as far as the uh, just how much pressure and negativity that, that there was towards him when the pick was made and it never died down. And I really don't want uh, a top Canadians prospect to go through that again. And I felt that I had to inform people that, you know, hey, there's a really good chance that Wright may not go to the Canadians, you know. So warm up to it, warm up to that fact, warm and warm up to the kid that goes first if it's not right. And I think people, you know, I mean, there were a few burrs, boos, not a smattering of boos at, when he was picked. But by the time, you know, it had sunk in, the reality had sunk in. And yeah. they learned they were getting Doc as well, you know, and it made more sense for people because yeah. that was the narrative that they had to get a centerman, right? So yeah. uh, uh, they were quite warm, uh, uh, the applause and that later when that was pretty cool. I really liked that. Hey, you have a great weekend, and if all goes well, look, um, development camp once again on ice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 
And then on Wednesday, July 13th, unrestricted free agency opens up. So we're going to be busy with that. I think Brunchen will be back. We'll keep you posted, but I think we're actually going to be back. We're going to do it next week on Saturday. Until then, we're going to be keep we're going to keep on uploading episodes. Of course, subscribe to our uh, Facebook group and subscribe to our Twitter channel at the Sick Podcast, our Instagram at the Sick Podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. So follow us on all social media platforms. Subscribe on YouTube and check out Grant McCag at Recruits.ca. Grant, have a great weekend. Thanks, Tony. Ciao. There you have it, Grant McCag. What a sick couple of days. Have a sick weekend. I'm out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you.